Davion Mitchell and the Kings beat the Hornets 115-108 to move to 2-4 on the season. We are streaking two in a row. Two in a row after four straight losses to start the season. This was kind of the opposite of the last game, except for the result, of course, where we were absolutely terrible in the first half, defensively and offensively, mostly defensively, as you would expect, though. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing in that first half. The Hornets, without their two best players in LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, and their two best offensive players at that, but still came out, you know, P.J. Washington... The MVP candidate, if he played against the Kings every single game, that guy kills us every time. And we came out and decided to start our worst defender on him in Harrison Barnes. It's gotten to that point. He is our worst defender, at least in the starting lineup. I mean, we were just, I mean, another super sloppy game in this one. Turnover after turnover after turnover. And we just could not defend at all. Our rotations were poor. We came out super sluggish. And the Hornets took advantage. You know, I think the Kings do this a lot against bad teams where they aren't ready at the very start. And that lets the other team get into a rhythm and get really confident. And they just can't do that. They just can't do that. And get away with it every time. They got away with it this time. But they can't keep doing that. Uh, after the initial timeout in the first quarter. After we had gone down a bit. Fox came out. Scored. Six straight. Started you know, kind of taking over. And then Davion came in. And had ten straight points. Which was a... A really relieving sight because uh, he has been absolutely terrible to start this season. And I think one of the main reasons why we saw him come out and be really effective is because he came out there uh, really early. As one of the first subs, Fox got subbed out early so that, you know, Sabonis could be out there with Davion and then Fox could come back in with the bench unit and play make there because Davion's been put in these roles as the lead guard without much playmaking around him and it just hasn't worked so I liked that adjustment from Mike Brown and then of course De'Aaron Fox gets hurt uh I don't I haven't really heard anything about that injury a knee injury it sounds like so, really hoping that that's not serious. Uh, but that was just kind of salt in the wound of that first half. Fox getting hurt. But, it, you know, in terms of this game alone, Fox getting hurt really didn't change anything. Which was kind of the sad part. Is that we were getting crushed so badly. Like, it didn't matter what Fox was doing. Defensively, offensively, it didn't matter. Because it's the rest, like the whole team, there's just no resistance defensively. 
And I remember thinking at one point in the second quarter, it was like every time we'd get a bucket, I couldn't get excited because I knew that we were going to give it right back up on the other end. Um, and Harrison Barnes just got destroyed time after time by PJ Washington. He was just a traffic cone out there. Another trend that uh, continued in this game was DeMontis Sabonis getting absolutely zero calls. He fouled out again on just a terrible call again for the second game in a row. I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he just doesn't look very mobile and and isn't a great shot blocker. So then the refs just always think he's doing something illegal I don't know but I don't know I his defense isn't that bad he is foul prone but he's getting zero help from the refs but uh we survived late in the fourth without both Fox and Sabonis but uh before I get into the fourth quarter Let's talk about the third quarter, which is where we came back. Went on a 30-10 run. I think it was a 20-1 to run at one point. Ended the quarter with a 37-18 to advantage in that quarter. Um, we just came out of halftime a lot more locked in defensively, and the offense offensive flow was really good, which the offensive flow is good most of the time when Sabonis is out there and facilitating. And another thing that happened in the third quarter is Mason Plumley stopped being Giannis out there. <laughs> um, he actually missed in the first half. He did, I mean, he was just destroying both Sabonis and anyone else. And I mean, that was the most embarrassing part of that first half, to be honest, is making Mason Plumley look like Joel Embiid out there. Like, that was sad. He he had this, he did that spin move on Rashawn. And there was just another time where he just kind of ran around a, a screen and Keegan just didn't help for some reason. And he just went right to the hoop. Um, Keegan was really bad defensively in that first half. But, I mean, you could say the same about everyone. But I just hadn't seen him be that bad defensively in his career yet. Um, but back to the third, I mean, the the defense finally stopped getting this, or started, sorry, started getting the stops that they should have been getting all game against an inferior team that has no playmaking on it. I mean, they're starting Dennis Smith Jr. at point guard. I mean, he, he was close to being out of the league. We should not be losing to that. But we we started coming back very quickly. And uh, then we got the, the Matthew Delvedova minutes. And he, I think he was exactly what you would want out of your third string point guard. It's like, he showed the exact reason why he was signed. De'Aaron Fox goes down. Davion has to go into the with the starting unit. And Del Vadova comes in with the bench and just 
doesn't try to do too much. He's he's a smart veteran player who knows what to do defensively and also just knows his role offensively. Just keep the ball moving and when he's open, shoot the three. And that's what he did. And he hit the three to uh, take the lead in that third quarter. So yeah, pretty much an entire entirely a flip from the Miami game where we were just terrible in the third quarter. And in this third quarter, we were amazing. Uh, Kevin Herter, just another great game from him shooting the ball. But also, he did a lot of you know, pump faking and getting into the lane. His decision-making in the lane wasn't always the best. But it's getting in there. Good things are going to happen probably more times than not. So it was definitely an overall good thing, him getting in the lane. And the Hornets just started turning the ball over just as much as we had been uh, throughout the whole game. And that's kind of more what I expected from this Hornets team. I mean, you put any sort of defensive pressure on them, they're going to turn the ball over without two of their you know, key ball handlers. Um, and... Uh, one thing that I liked about the end of the third quarter is that we didn't collapse when Sabonis got subbed out. I When Sabonis got subbed out, we were up by maybe six, six-ish, and I was terrified. <laughs> I I was absolutely terrified that the, the offense would just stop doing anything and the defense would just continue to be pretty much the same as at least the first half. The third quarter was obviously better, but that didn't happen. And, I mean, the offense still was not great. Um, so, you know, the Hornets came back into it where they, you know, were kind of chipping away, but it's like that's okay because you just need to survive until Sabonis gets back in the game, which they did. Um, Rashawn Holmes... A really bad game again from him. I mean, he's getting out-rebounded, you know, giving up offensive rebounds and not giving anything offensively. He just, he looks lost out there, to be honest, in his role. And kind of like I was saying, Davion Mitchell, when he's out there with them, is not going to be the type of playmaker that Fox or Halliburton was for him when he was starting. Um, so he he has to, I think, simplify his game to what he was before, like when he first got to the Kings, which was just go out there, set screens and rebound and play good defense. There was a, a point in the in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, where the refs it was like on a span of three possessions missed like five calls against the Kings. And I was so mad, <laughs> but, um, and that kind of started the Hornets getting back into it. Barnes continued to just be dominated by, um, PJ Washington. And, the Kings kind of went into their classic scoring drought 
and the Hornets would score, be allowed to score pretty much every time down the court. Uh, first stretch there in the fourth quarter. And then Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray showed up and hit three threes in a row. Kevin Herter with two, Keegan Murray with one. And that just kind of stopped the bleeding plus some and kind of got us back on track there. And we didn't look back from from there. Uh, and then the... the um, the terrible foul call on Sabonis happened. Apparently, the guy just can't stand there with his arms anywhere. Like, I, I don't know. He can't, like, box out at all. Plumley just flung his arms into Sabonis's arms and got a foul call with the ref standing right there looking straight at him. It's just, I don't, I don't know what Sabonis has to do to not get called for those fouls. I really don't. But then, so late in the fourth, you know, we have to to execute our offense without Sabonis. And we blew a, it was like 106 to 100, and then it ended up going to 108 to 108, you know. It was a tie game, and Davion just comes up the floor, gets plumly on him, and just splashes a three right in his face, you know. I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't like the shot when it happened. I was like what are you doing? Like drive on him, create some space, but he was confident and that shot was falling. He ended up going, uh, let's see, I think it was five for six from three. Yeah. Five for six with 23 points. And then we get a stop and the next possession, he gets plumbly on him again and does what I wanted him to do the first time, which was, you know, drive a little on him. And then that quick step back, create that space on Plumley, Because, I mean, Plumley can't stay with Davion. Davion's way too quick. Uh, so he scored there in that mid-range, and that was kind of the game. But then to, you know, for sure lock in the game, the Kings forced a five-second violation on an inbound pass after taking a, an intentional foul, because we had a foul to give there, which was... I mean, or was that, I don't know if that was actually the same time we took the intentional foul. That might have been earlier. But either way, we, you know, forced the five-second violation with some great defense. Um, and that uh, that wrapped up the game. You know, Davion Mitchell, he, he is so quick. If he gets any mismatch on him, he can take advantage. And I think you you really saw that in this game for the first time all season. He can always create space against his defender. And it's just a matter of whether the shot's going or not. And whether he's confident. The problem is his playmaking ability isn't that good. Um, there were still times in this game where he'd get in the lane and just turn it over or not really know what to do with it. But, you know, he's a... He can be a really good scorer. And, I mean, and I'm not talking about his defense because his defense is just always there. He was really good defensively this game. And so he's good out there when he's with Sabonis to facilitate along with him. Keegan Murray definitely didn't have his, his greatest game. Still scored um, 12 points and was a 
team high plus 15. So even when he's, you know, not going at, uh, you know, 100% there, he's still, still making positive things happen. Barnes still cannot shoot the three for some reason. He was 0 for 5 in this game, and he also cannot defend. Uh, before the season, and last season, I really wanted a trade for P.J. Washington. And, uh, yeah, now I want to trade for him even more. I would love to trade him for Barnes. Obviously, we would need to give up more than that. But, uh, hey, if the Hornets want to, you know, fully reset and get off contracts or not have to pay him for some reason, hey, we'll take him. We will take P.J. Washington. We really need a guy like that. And we really need Barnes to be that guy. But, because uh, if he plays like that, he's just a massive liability, to be honest. I think the last guy I want to talk about is Trey Lyles. He didn't have, he didn't have, like, the greatest shooting game. He only made one shot. But I just think he was still solid. Like, he wasn't a negative even though he wasn't making shots. And I think the different that's the difference between him and Metu. It's like Metu has the ability to have a game offensively where he contributes, but if he is not, you know, knocking down the three, he is going to be a negative on the game. And I don't think Trelaz was a negative. He ended up playing 21 minutes. And I thought he was really solid in those minutes doing other things, defending, he wasn't terrible. And not being terrible is above average on this Kings team defensively. After the game, you know, I was thinking about what happened, what what my reaction to trading for Kevin Herter was. And I was thinking, like, I would have never expected him to be this good. I wasn't you know, I was excited when the Kings traded for Kevin Herter, mainly just because it was, we finally made a move. And obviously he fits well, shooting, size, um, you know, can be a wing. But he's been so good early in the season. And I, and, uh, you know, after his last game, I was looking on Twitter and I saw a bunch of Hawks fans saying the exact same thing, like, Oh yeah, he's doing this now, but in the next, you know, four games, he's going to combine for like 25 points in those games. And I was kind of like, okay, like that wouldn't even be that bad if he like did that because we have other guys that can step up. But he obviously did not do that. He, he has not slowed down at all. He 26 points, five threes. He's just been amazing offensively for this team. The depth on this team definitely showed with Fox being out and still being able to pull out a win. It is against a Hornets team, again, that is pretty depleted. And I don't think we will be able to survive really well if we don't have Fox, which is why I'm really hoping, you know, that it's nothing serious. But it is nice to see that we can win without Fox and down the stretch without Sabonis as well. Other guys stepping up, and that's made a huge difference in this game.
Looking ahead to the uh, next game. It is against the Heat on... What's today? Monday. So it's on Wednesday. Obviously in Miami, because we just played them at home. You know, just beat them. But I honestly don't expect us to win this game. Which is why I think winning against the Hornets tonight was so huge. Because going 1-5 and and then probably going 1-6 and would have been a disaster. But being 2-4 and now is a lot more respectable with the schedule that we've had. And pulling out two wins there. Because going into Miami, it's going to be really tough mostly because we just beat them. They're going to want revenge. And they're probably not going to be as poor offensively as they were um, in the last game. Obviously, you know, we we could beat them because we just proved that because we did beat them. But it's, I think this game is going to be a lot tougher than the one that we played at home uh, a few nights ago. Mostly if we don't have Fox, obviously. But even if we do have Fox, still, I think it's going to be an incredibly tough game. Because we have to come out like we did in the first half of that game against Miami and probably play like that the whole time because I don't think we can afford to have the same type of third quarter collapse because like I said I think they will play better I think they were really poor in that game and I don't expect them to be that poor again mostly Jimmy Butler I think Jimmy Butler is going to be better than he was in that game. One thing that is going to be to the Kings advantage is that the uh, the Heat will be on a back-to-back. They are playing the Warriors tomorrow night and hopefully that takes it out of them. It is kind of weird how the, the Kings, they played the Hornets right after the Warriors played the Hornets and now they're going to play the Heat right after the, the uh, Warriors played the Heat. So that's a little interesting. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping that the Heat beat the Warriors because if they lose and go 2-6, and six, they're going to have to come out with a response against us, right? <laughs> so hopefully they win that game and then they can be 3-5. and five. It's like, okay, they can afford another loss, right? They can, you know, slack off a little bit. And just before I end here, I want to touch on one thing that's, I mean, kind of related to the Kings. Not really, though. The Utah Jazz are currently winning 101-77 against the Grizzlies, and I that's going to move them to 6-2. and two. Who would have predicted that? Like, that's crazy. And I hope that slows down, because that is a spot in the playoffs slash play-in that is being taken away from the Kings by the Jazz. That's not a good thing. Um... Hopefully they will trade everyone sooner rather than later. But they are just a team that's built with a bunch of NBA guys. You know, they're not the Thunder from a couple years ago who traded everyone. Like, they traded their stars, but they traded them for a lot of picks, but also NBA players that can play solidly. They don't have a star at all, but they just have a bunch of solid guys 
and Larry Markkinen has been very good for them. And I guess their star so far. <laughs> but that does it for my recap of the Kings versus Hornets game. Please uh, like, comment, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And if you're on the audio podcast, make sure to leave a rating and a review. And I will see you guys on either Wednesday night or on Thursday to recap the Kings vs. Heat game. Peace.